Good morning, good morning, and welcome back to the Hacker Hub podcast with yours truly, uh, William Parks. So today we've got a nice little episode kind of prepared for you guys. Um, and last episode, which was, I believe, released on Wednesday, we didn't really cover too much of CISA and what they had released to the general public, um, which is actually like it's called CISA Shields Up, right? And what it does is it's essentially a framework and a guidance kind of methodology on, hey, so there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. How do you react and respond to it? And how do you be proactive in responding to things before they happen, right? How do you get your boundaries set up so that way people don't get in or they don't exploit certain things on any kind of servers? So all those technical terms and all that technical jargon, we're going to break down and we're going to talk just a little bit more about. So stay tuned, and we are going to kick this off right. So if you're not familiar with CISA, CISA stands for the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency um, for the United States of America, right? It's an organization that watches out for all of the intel and all of the bad stuff that happens on the deep web uh, that could affect both of our lives daily or monthly or however long you want to think, or even just from a business standpoint, really it's geared more towards businesses because those are usually the targets of a lot of this stuff. Um, so CISA has released guidance, um, which really, again, it's called Shields Up. And the first line of it just kind of sets it up perfectly for what it's about. So I'll just read it to you and we'll just go over it from there. So it says, while there are no specific or credible cyber threats to the U.S. homeland at this time, Russia's unprovoked attack on Ukraine, which has involved cyber attacks on Ukrainian government and critical infrastructure organizations, may impact organizations both within and beyond the region, particularly in the wake of costs imposed by the United States and our allies. Every organization, large and small, must be prepared to respond to disruptive cyber activity. So... Just from that first little bit, we learned that this article is generally about responding to cybersecurity threats, right? And as the nation's cybersecurity defense agency, um, CISA has to be ready to help organizations prepare, respond, and mitigate any of the things that could happen whenever a cyber attack does occur. So um, you can find this article at CISA period GOV forward slash shields, S-H-I-E-L-D-S and then dash up, up, um, cisa.gov slash shields up is where you can find this, this article. And it's very descriptive and they have some nice little, um, images on here. It's kind of, kind of cool. But anyway, so in the first little section they have, it says guidance for all organizations. And it really just talks about how do you reduce the likelihood of a damaging cyber intrusion? And what are some steps you can take to quickly detect an intrusion um, whenever one does occur or if it occurs? And how do you ensure that the organization is prepared to respond if an intrusion does occur, right? What are your what, what is your response plan? So um, first and foremost, we're going to just talk about how do you how do you reduce the likelihood of a cyber intrusion occurring, right? Now, I work for a firm. I am a technical consultant, so I am a security consultant. I'm a pen tester, um, which basically means I'm a technical person. I'm, I'm a hacker, essentially. And uh, we're a, so it's a white hat hacker kind of scenario. So I usually work a lot with companies hand in hand, and, and we talk and we figure out game plans for fixing certain vulnerabilities because I go in and I try and break in. And once we get in, 
then we report back to the chief information security officer or whoever our point of contact is and we tell them hey so we were able to get into this service this thing and here's here's some recommendations on how to fix it in case you didn't know that it was vulnerable or it was open here's some ways to fix this so a lot of these i can kind of attest to um, first and foremost make sure that you have multi-factor authentication turned on for your organization right you want them turned on not only for just random login portals, but for all access points to the organization, any kind of VPNs that you have, any kind of access to any company infrastructure needs to have multi-factor authentication. And it's, a, it's really, really easy, honestly, to look over that and miss it because sometimes some of these organizations, they're just so big, it's, it really is easy to miss. Um, and that's, that's why you have penetration assessments occur so that you can actually understand where your weakest points are. So next up, you need to ensure that your software is up to date and prioritize updates and address known exploits that your infrastructure may actually have. Um, confirm that organizations, IT personnel have disabled all ports and protocols that are not essential for business purposes. And if the organization is using cloud services, ensure that IT personnel have reviewed and implemented strong controls outlined in CIS's guidance. Um, so that just kind of talks a little bit about the likelihood of damaging cyber intrusion, which is, you know, there, these are a lot of steps that you, you can take um, as far as an information security team goes. And maybe just like a first thing of the day, say, hey, let's just run through a few of our portals and see if we have all this stuff done. Or right now, since it's a pretty active scene, you may just want to make that a whole day goal. Just be like, hey, guys, here's I, I know we have other stuff we have to do, but here's here's the down low and dirty. Uh, we need to get through this. <laughs> we need to see all of our portals. We need to see everything. We need to make sure everything is secure. Um, now, what can you do whenever you detect a potential intrusion? Like, what are some steps you can take whenever you do that? Right. That's when things can get kind of iffy because this is where time really matters. Time is of the essence. So ensure that all of your IT personnel and cybersecurity people are focused on identifying and quickly assessing any unexpected or unusual network behavior. Uh, make sure you have logging enabled in order to better investigate issues or events so that way you have all the data and detail that you need. Confirm that the organization's entire network is protected by antivirus and malware software and that signatures in these tools are always updated. And if you're working with any kind of Ukrainian organization, take extra care and steps to monitor and inspect and isolate traffic from those organizations closely. And also closely review access controls for that traffic too. You know, you don't want somebody who compromised some organization in Ukraine to just all of a sudden bebop their way into your company. I mean, that doesn't really, that's, that's not how that really works, right? That's not how it should work. Um, there should be some level of identity and access management there. So aside from that, how do you respond if it actually does occur, right? How do you, well, once you have identified, okay, we have officially been breached and we have been attacked, how do you actually respond to that? So designate a crisis response team with main points of contact for a suspected cybersecurity incident and roles and responsibilities within the organization, including technology, communications, and legal and business continuity. Also assure that availability of key personnel Identify means to provide surge support for responding to an incident. So meaning if you need more folks to work on this thing than you have, you need to make sure that you have people you can call on immediately. Um, also conduct tabletop exercises, which in simple terms for any of you information security officers out there, that is a purple team assessment. So um, we will sit down and we will 
speak with these corporate officers, our point of contacts, you know, CISOs, you name it, we've talked with them. And we will actually run through all of their policies and plans that they have in place to ensure that they are ready for a cyber attack, right? And in a purple team, not only do you just run through these policies, but a lot of times we're actually doing things live. So we'll, we'll be talking to them. We'll say, hey, we're, we're kicking off this attack. Do you see any of our traffic coming through? Can you break it down? Can you see any of the stuff that's actually coming through, right? Um, and that's, that's sometimes the biggest help right there is whenever you can have the live feedback from an actual hacker trying to get in and talking with the response team on their end to see if they can see it and see if they can block it because that's the goal, right? You want to try and make them as strong as possible. Um, anyway, so moving on from that, maximize your organization's resilience to a destructive cyber incident. So test backup procedures. And if you're using any kind of industrial control systems or operational technology, make sure you have a test of manual controls to ensure that all that critical functionality remains operable if the organization's network is unavailable or untrusted. Um, you always need to be able to go in manually and do stuff because as time has proven in the past, that's a bad issue if you can't because that just puts you in a bad place. Um, so that's really it for an organization, right? And I know I'm just flying through these things, guys, so stay with me because there's a lot to cover. So it's not the fastest thing to cover, but... Um, we're just, we're just banging them out, right? We're just banging out one, two, three, four. <laughs> um, so next up, we have all the corporate leaders and CEOs. What can they really do, right? What do the guys up at the top need to do? What do the people who oversee this stuff need to do? So first and foremost, you need to make sure that you empower chief information security officers, right? They have that job. They have that title for a reason. And in nearly every organization, security improvements are weighed against cost and operational risks to the business. In the heightened environment that we're in right now, the heightened threat environment that we're in, senior management should empower chief information security officers by including them in the decision-making progress for progress process for risk for the company, right? They should know and they should be a part of that whole conversation where it's like, should we put forth the money or not? And they need to ensure that the entire organization understands that security investments are a top priority in the immediate, te in the immediate term. Um, man, I'm... I'm 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 really kind of disappointed because there are a lot of companies that, and I don't blame them, you know, cybersecurity is expensive and security and keeping things safe is expensive, but at the same time, it's also very, very important. And I feel like a lot of us just kind of lose our way um, whenever we're actually securing things and that, that causes a whole ordeal of stuff, which is why there are so many breaches and so many things that happen across our country, right? But I mean, that's okay. Step one is to get a working product, right? You have to have something that consumers want. And then following that, you should have security up there as well. So aside from those things, um, make sure you lower reporting thresholds. Every organization should have documented thresholds for reporting potential cyber incidents to senior management and to the U.S. government. So anytime that something small might happen, make sure you report it. Let, let some people know because this is important information that could just lead to us preventing a lot of attacks. Um, in the heightened threat environment, the thresholds should be significantly lower than normal. And senior management should establish an expectation that any indications of malicious activity, even if blocked by security controls, should be reported and noted in the Shields Up website. Also report it to CISA and the FBI, um, because they're, they're also some of the big information sharers and spreaders within the industry too. 
make sure that you also participate in a test of response plans, like we were talking about earlier, the purple team, and also focus on your continuity. So make sure that you have the finite resources you need, the investments in security and resilience should be focused on those systems supporting critical business functions. And last but not least, for as far as corporate leaders and CEOs go, um, you need to be planning for the worst, right? If you plan for the worst and it doesn't happen, then you're just more prepared for whatever it is that happens, right? Always have a worst case scenario in mind and always have a plan for that. So um, glad that we were able to cover some of that stuff because that is very pertinent right now and that is a very hot topic amongst a lot of people. Um, but even going further and talking about not only just companies and CEOs and all of those awesome people, um, how do you protect yourself, right? How does the average American protect themselves? How does an employee protect themselves? Because, you know, all this stuff hasn't been geared towards us and we, we need to know, right? You need to know some stuff. So like we've already said, and, and I don't want to be a broken record, but make sure that you have multi-factor authentication on all of your accounts. If you can, and it allows for it, you should have that turned on. And sadly, you know, worst case scenario, a, a password just isn't enough to keep you safe online anymore. That was the case a while ago, but not anymore. And by implementing a second layer of identification, like a confirmation text message or an email, a code from an authentication app, a fingerprint or face ID, or best yet, a FIDO key, um, you're giving your bank, email provider, or whoever else that you're logging into absolute confidence that it's actually you. And, you know, I, I did list out a text message as a confirmation, but there's actually quite a few that there are quite a few services out there that can steal that text message. So cross the text message off the list. And if you can do an authentication app, that's the best way. Um, right now, authentication app, face ID, fingerprint, or the FIDO key, those are the best ways that you can actually have that multi-factor turned on. And this also eliminates 99%, um, it, it makes you 99% less likely to get hacked. So make sure that all that's online, make sure all that stuff is on there protecting you because, you know, would you leave your door unlocked to your house all the time, even at night while you're sleeping? No, you wouldn't, it would make sense. So have the, the multi-factor authentication turned on and then also update your software and turn on automatic updates and then think before you click because phishing is going crazy and it's it's ramped up as supposed around 10% not 10%, but it's going to be about 10 times stronger than what it was prior. So um, make sure that you think before you click, don't click on any phishing emails or any kind of sketchy phone number, text messages or anything like that that says, oh, you have a free gift. Click this. Um, no, don't click it. It's not worth it. And also make sure that you have a password manager. Um, you know, a lot of people that, that just reuse the same password, which I have been guilty of in the past, right? Um, a lot of those things, once you, once you hack into and you break one organization and they steal the password, if you use the same password across everything that you have, you know, that's really, really not a good thing. And if I were going to give you one suggestion at all, one takeaway, you don't have to change everything that you have. Understand you will probably have more break-ins, but at least on your personal account, your personal email account, um, that stores all your information that you use primarily or secondary, those need to be different passwords from everything else that you have. Like hands down, that should be like a last case scenario. Like that should be it. You should not have any other password 
like any copied password is your email password because that's what resets passwords for other services. That's what can allow someone to get even further into your quote unquote life. So make sure that you have a strong grip on that stuff because man, it will, it will come back to get you if you don't. Um, so that really wraps up the CISA article. Um, and it changes every day. It updates every day. There are always CISA resources that are coming out and new guidance that they are dropping every single day. Um, looks like the last update was on February 26th. Oh, March 1st, my bad. Um, and today is March 4th, the Friday, the March 4th. Um, <laughs> Friday, March 4th. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, it just talks a whole lot about Whispergate and um, how it's kind of acting in the industry right now as far as what it's attacking and how it works, as well as some hashes for it and, and uh, some identification techniques to find it. But anyway, that wraps up the podcast for today, guys. Thank you for listening, and thank you for hanging with me while we talk about this stuff because, man, it is it is a juicy and saucy area right now, let me tell you. But I hope you guys are doing well, taking care of yourselves, staying safe, staying healthy, and staying cyber aware because that is what we need right now. So anyway, if you didn't learn anything, just learn about passwords and just change them. <laughs> Um, but anyway, take care of you guys. I wish you all the best. Stay on top of some of this stuff and check out this website. It's actually a really good resource. Again, it is cisa.gov forward slash shields dash up. So anyway, take care and I will see you guys on the next episode.